Anderson, South Carolina. Fox. For me, pulling stings was just a way of life. That was what me and my bae, D'Artavius, did best. He was a notorious South Carolina stick-up kid, and a damn good one. Since the tender age of 15, D'Artavius had been hitting licks and coming up, slowly but surely. Now he was 25 and had become a legend in our little hood of Anderson. Everybody knows him for getting money and blowing it just as fast. D'Artavius' motto is to live every day like it is his last and enjoy life while you can. He has all the things that he needs to enjoy life too, like a couple of old school box Chevys sitting on chrome, a nice rented house out in the country, a fishing boat, and of course, a bad bra by his side. Me. My name is Fox. I'm 5'2", 120 pounds with long-ass reddish-brown dreadlocks and a unique red-bone complexion. My skin tone and hair color put you in the mind frame of a smooth red fox, which is how I got my name. I have a pretty unique look, but I do my best to stay low-key. Don't get me wrong, when I get naked, my body is off the hook. But most of the time, I'm dressed in some kind of loose-fitting athletic gear. Most chicks want to stand out in the crowd, but I'm the opposite, because in the dirty world that we call the stick-up game, standing out is what you don't want to do. See, in the stick-up game, the goal is not to be recognized. While most of these bitches are running around out here trying to show off everything their mamas gave them, I try to keep it discreet when I'm in the streets. I save the sexiness for when I'm alone with Bay. Me and D'Artavius have done so much dirt. We never know who is looking at us and plotting revenge. Because of that, whenever we pull a sting, we are black maxed and gloved up. This time was no exception. Hey, this shit gotta go smooth, you hear me? We can't make no mistakes in there, Fox. Said D'Artavius, with his heavy South Carolina draw coming through loud and clear. D'Artavius was telling me some shit that I damn sure already knew. I had already been on over two dozen stings, setups, licks, or whatever you call them in your neck of the woods with him. I know, baby. I'm on point like I always am. I'm going to do what I always do, I replied. Nah, you not understand me. This sting is different, said D'Artavius, banging his head on the dash of his 83 Monte Carlo SS for emphasis. What's so different about this lick, baby? I wondered aloud. D'Artavius's and my MO on stings have been the same since day one. He found out who was getting money, how they were getting it, and where they stayed. Then he got the drop on his victim and watched them. After that, we made our move. The end result was always the same. Once we pulled them big-ass AKs, MAC-10s, or 40 cows on them niggas, they always came up off that money with no hesitation. This nigga we robbing is different. He ain't no fuckboy, man. He ain't bout no games. He ain't scared to shoot. I know that for a fact. Please don't be slipping there, Fox. Nigga ain't no joke. Said D'Artavius. How you know so much about this nigga, baby? We only been watching him for a week, I asked. Cause that nigga's my cousin. Shit, Fox, that's how I know. Dartavius had just shocked the hell out of me. I knew I was fucking with a grimy nigga, but I never would have pegged him to scheme on his own cousin. Damn, bae, I said, shooting my man a disapproving look. Look, it ain't like we first cousins or nothing. We related by marriage and shit, that's all. Said Dartavius, trying to justify his actions. Still, though, I said. Look, this nigga been running the gambling spot in the liquor house for about six years now. You won't put nobody on. You get money from parlay tickets every Sunday. You selling more Bud Light than QT is. You deserve to get got, you dig me? Now, is you with me or not? Asked Artavius. Without a doubt, I was with my man. That was just how I got down. 
I was the type of woman that would do whatever my man asked of me. I saw so many broads out here with no good men that had babies by them and didn't even take care of them. They were fucking these dudes every night and couldn't even get a pair of J's and a fresh bag of Malaysian weave up out of them once a month. Dartavius wasn't like that, though. He took care of me. He kept my wardrobe on fleek, put a roof over my head, and even paid daycare fees for my little boy from a previous relationship, even though my mama was currently raising him because she said my life was too crazy to care for a child, which was something that I couldn't really disagree with. I was down for my nigga like four flat tires. If he needed me on a sting at moment's notice, I was there. If he needed me to bag up a whole kilo of cocaine, I would stay up all night and do it. Shit. If the nigga had the urge for a threesome, I was with it. As long as the extra girl was pretty, I couldn't do ugly broads. I did whatever it took to keep my man happy and let him know that I had his back, unconditionally. I was the definition of a ride-or-die chick. You know I'm with you, baby, I said. All right, then. He replied, flashing a smile full of gold teeth. Dartavius popped a Xanax and then passed me one. We popped the pills to take the edge off so that we would be able to function properly when we were in action. In our line of work, it was important to be calm and relaxed as opposed to uptight and high-strung. A nervous stick-up kid is a scared stick-up kid, and a scared stick-up kid is a dead stick-up kid. We waited a few minutes for the pills to get into our system, and even said a quick prayer while we waited. We both knew that what we were doing was wrong and foolish, but my mama once told me, God looks after babies and fools, or something like that. Come on, Fox, let go, said Dartavius as he pulled his dreads back and adjusted the ski mask properly on his face. I fixed my mask just right also, then grabbed our duffel bag and followed my man as we hopped out of the Monte Carlo. It was a little bit after midnight, and the half moon was providing the only light in the sky covering the area. We were out deep in the country, creeping up on a trailer that sat all alone on an acre of land. Out-of-towners always thought that poor people lived in trailers, but in South Carolina that wasn't true. Plenty of D-boys, number runners, meth suppliers, and hood-rich criminals stayed in trailers to stay off of the radar of law enforcement. It was easy to rent a trailer in a fake name without revealing your identity. Moving into apartments or buying houses was much more difficult. So the niggas getting real money and ducking the police played it cool in trailers, especially if they didn't have a legit woman to use as a front. Dartavis's cousin was no exception. This nigga was rich, but he stayed secluded in his trailer with nothing but his dogs, his guns, his car, and his money. He was a true country boy. As Dartavius tried his best to step swiftly and lightly in his size 12 polo boots, I cautiously followed behind him. It was kind of crazy that he chose a little petite, baby-faced, innocent-looking girl like me to accompany him on robberies, but Dartavius had his reasons. He told me that even though I was a woman, I was the realest nigga that he knew. Dartavius explained that he couldn't fully trust any of his partners in the street. I was the one that he laid down with every night, so I was the closest person to him. Dartavius knew that I cared about him more than any of his niggas did, which is why he wanted me with him during pressure situations like this one. Most niggas wouldn't trust a female in a crucial position, but that was what made me and Dartavius' relationship different. We trusted each other beyond a shadow of a doubt. We could communicate without speaking too much. I knew just what to do and when to do it. As we approached the trailer, we listened for any type of noise from inside, but all we heard was silence. All of the lights inside the trailer were off, 
but Dartavius pointed to a white Chrysler 300 sitting off to the left of the trailer. That was his cousin's only car, which meant he was definitely home. He was sitting up in the trailer and had no idea what was about to hit him. As Dartavius stepped foot onto the steps that led up to the trailer, he accidentally woke up one of the dogs that guarded the property. He pointed his index finger in the dog's direction, and before the dog could even get started barking good, I shot him. My forty caliber with the Cobra silencer silently lit up the night sky for a brief second as I ended the dog's life with a headshot. She was a pretty German Rottweiler too, but I had no time to show remorse for a damn dog. Dartavius motioned for me to pass him our duffel bag. He reached inside and took out our crowbar. We had used this crowbar on a bunch of stings, and no matter what type of lock someone had, Dartavius was able to break it down with the crowbar in a matter of seconds. Like I said, he was damn good at what he did. The door that led into the trailer quickly separated from the lock, and before I knew it, we were staring into the dark living room. The beam on Dartavius's gun was the only light illuminating the room, and we were both doing a quick scan looking for his cousin. Unfortunately, he heard us before we saw him. Who the fuck is that? He asked, with nervousness all in his voice. The voice was coming from the back room, so Dartavius and I rushed back there with our guns drawn. The bedroom was pitch black, so we were tripping over dirty clothes and shoes lying in the floor. But within moments, we were face to face with our victim. Hey, with the cash app, bro? How where that shit at? Said Dartavius as he aimed his gun at his petrified cousin. Scaring the shit out of people was what Dartavius did best. The way he put a gun to his victims always made them provide him with the answers that he wanted. I did my best to stare through the darkness and see what exactly was going on. Dartavius' cousin was in bed in his drawers. Waking up with a gun to his face had him all discombobulated, and he was trying to figure out just what was happening. Slowly, he was beginning to process the fact that he was being robbed. Dartavius was not a patient person, though. With a cash app, bro? He asked again, waving his gun around like a lunatic. I don't know what you're talking about, folk. I ain't got no money. Screamed the victim. I let off a shot into the roof of the trailer to let the nigga know that we weren't playing. The bullet went clean through the thin metal ceiling and caused the whole room to vibrate slightly for a second. I could hear some of our victim's other dogs, which were chained up out back, begin to bark once they got wind of all the commotion. Simultaneously, Dartavius took his gun and slapped his cousin upside the head. He was hitting him so hard that it sounded like bones were breaking in his face. All right, man, stop. He finally conceded. You ready to tell me where the cash at? Asked Dartavius once again. Beaten, shocked, and scared, Dartavius' cousin finally started to break down. He valued his stash of money, but he wasn't willing to die over it. It's in the kitchen, damn! He blurted out. Where in the kitchen, nigga? Questioned Dartavius. Under the sink! He replied painfully, with blood trickling from his mouth. I already knew what to do. As Dartavius held his cousin in place with the gun, I made a break for the kitchen. Moving through the darkness swiftly and gracefully like the red foxes that I derived my name from, I maneuvered my way into the kitchen section of the trailer. I pulled the cabinet open that was under the sink and began inspecting. You got that? Hollered Dartavius from his spot in the bedroom. All I see is coffee cans. I relayed back. Niggas, you trying to play me? I heard Dartavius holler, followed by the sound of more pistol whipping. That was when I realized the coffee cans were his stash spot. The nigga was too cheap and too country to invest in a fireproof safe. 
so he had his cash rolled up in big coffee cans. I opened up a few of them to make sure, and I was right. Naturally, I let Dartavius know I had found our jackpot and loaded the money into our Adidas duffel bag. We had what we had come for, and it was time to be out. Quickly, I made my way back through the dark trailer and into the bedroom where my man was. Dartavius had smacked fire out of his cousin and left him bleeding from his mouth, like a UFC fighter who had run into Kimbo's slice on a bad day. Hey, you got that, right? Asked Dartavius, referring to the money. No doubt, I got all of it, I replied. Dartavius gave his cousin one more smack with the butt of his gun for good measure. After that, we made a break for the front door. Once we were in the Monte Carlo... It would be time to lose the mask, tuck the guns under the seat, and get back to our home safely. Then we could lay all that cold, hard cash out on our California king-size bed, strip naked, and fuck the shit out of each other. Nothing turned me on more than watching Dartavius handle his business and make us some money. I could feel my pussy throbbing at the thought of him entering me, but first things first. We had to get away from the crime scene in one piece. As Dartavius led the way... I lugged the big duffel bag and clutched it tight. I couldn't afford to lose that, or else our whole mission would become pointless. Dartavius swung the front door of the trailer open and pulled his car keys from his pocket. We were about 30 yards away from the car when I heard Dartavius' cousin's voice. Sick him, Drake, kill him! He said. Dartavius' cousin had managed to recover from the pistol whipping, enough to make it into his backyard and let his pit bull off her chain. He was sending the vicious dog after us, and that bitch was fast as shit. I was running as quickly as my little legs could carry me, but before I knew it, I could feel the big dog on my ass. Her barking grew louder, and I could sense her breathing down my neck, which was a scary-ass feeling. Shit, said Dartavius, as he turned around and watched as the dog jumped on my back. I was no match for the strength of a full-grown pit bull, and the dog easily knocked me to the ground. I was scared out of my mind and didn't know what to do, but I damn sure kept a hold of the duffel bag. I tried to get my gun, but the pit bit down on my arm, causing me to drop my weapon. She was a smart-ass dog who had been trained to protect her owner as well as cause harm to anyone she felt was a threat. Dartavius doubled back to where the dog had me pinned in the grass and tried to help. He took his size 12 polo boot and kicked the dog in the face. However, Dartavius's kick didn't do anything but anger the powerful pit. Mad as hell, the dog went into an absolute frenzy. She took her attention away from pummeling me and chased after Dartavius. As I used the opportunity to pick myself up off of the ground, I noticed that Dartavius' cousin was talking on his cell phone, most likely calling 911. The dog had chased Dartavius down and was going ham. She had been trained to kill in situations like this and was trying her best to lockjaw on Dartavius's jugular. He was hollering like a madman and trying to wrestle free from her grasp, but the more he struggled, the worse things got. Get this fucking dog off me! She trying to kill me! Shoot this motherfucker! Fuck, shoot! He screamed. Quickly, I picked my gun up off the ground. It was pitch black and I wasn't fortunate to have an infrared beam on my gun like Dartavius did. I couldn't see well. But I knew that time was running out. The pit bull had my man pinned down and I was damned if I was going to let an animal end my nigga's life. I aimed in the direction of the barking and hollering and pulled the trigger three times. The bullets had a completely different sound in the night air since the silencer was attached to the end of my barrel. For a second, all I could do was stand still, confused, 
It was weird to bust a gun three times and not hear an echo. All I knew was that after I had pulled the trigger, the barking and growling stopped. I saw blood splatter onto the ground under the light that the spark of the gun was responsible for. I had killed my second dog for the day, and it wasn't a good feeling. I felt like I wanted to throw up, but I held it back. Dartavis' cousin was mortified. He loved those dogs like they were human beings. I understood his pain since I was a dog lover too, but I didn't love no dog more than Dartavius. I had killed the dog because she was trying to kill my bae, and I couldn't have that. Come on, baby, let's go. This nigga done called the police. We gotta be out. I hollered. Dartavius didn't respond, so I scooped up the duffel bag and ran over to where the dead, bloody dog lied on top of his body. Come on, baby, we gotta go, I said, but there was still no response. Had I not been quick enough in shooting a dog? Had this fucking animal killed my baby by biting his throat? I wondered. This shit cannot be happening, I thought to myself. I couldn't even begin to picture a life without Dartavius. He was my everything. I barely knew my dad, and my mom didn't really fuck with me. So Dartavius had taught me damn near everything I knew about life. I had been with this man since the end of high school, and I couldn't even picture spending one day without him by my side, much less every day. Shook as hell. I stood over top of the dead dog and reached down for Dartavius' body. Please let him be okay, God, I screamed out. As I realized that my bae wasn't moving at all, what I realized next was even worse. Dartavius wasn't breathing and he didn't have a pulse. The love of my life, Dartavius, was dead. But the terrible part was that the vicious pit bull wasn't responsible for his death. Even through the darkness, I could clearly see that the cause of Dartavius' death was a bullet to the head, fired from my gun. I had shot the dog, but in the process, I had also killed my bae. As the sound of sirens began to wail from way off in the distance, all I could do was snatch Dartavis' keys from his pocket, scoop up the duffel bag, and get the fuck away from the crime scene. I had gotten what I had come for in the money. But at the same time, I lost something I had never bargained for in Dartavis. My life would be different forever. I got away from the scene with the duffel bag full of the money. Like the professional getaway driver that I was, by the time the cops found the trailer all the way out there in the country and got Dartavius' cousin's side of the story, I was posted up in the Aloft Hotel in downtown Greenville, South Carolina. I wanted to cry, but Dartavius told me one time that crying was only for fuckboys and babies, so I held back my tears. It took me all night, but I counted up every last dollar that was in those coffee cans and it came out to $67,143. It was more money than I had ever seen, and it was naturally by far the biggest lick that we had ever hit. When I added it on to the 15 bands that Dartavius and I had been saving up in the Nike shoebox under our bed, I had over $80,000. I would have traded every penny to have my baby back. But the world didn't work that way. Death was permanent. There was no getting around that. Everybody had their time to go, and even though I was upset about it, it was Dartavius' time to check out. I stayed in the motel and mourned my baby's death for a whole seven days without ever leaving my room. I couldn't even muster up the strength to make it to Bay's funeral. For that whole week, I ordered room service and watched movies from the comfortable-ass bed without going any further than the shower and the toilet. I barely even looked out of the window until I finally decided that what was done was done. Once I stopped being depressed and accepted reality, I sent my mama some money to make sure my son was straight for the next few months. 
and started myself a new life right there in Greenville. There was no point of going back home. That chapter of my life was officially closed. Now, there was no turning back.